We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 481 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, January 9th, 2023. The Commanders 2022 season is over. Their 2023 offseason has begun. And now, my friends, <laughs> the fun truly begins. Have we just completed the final game? For the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders with Dan and Tanya Snyder as co-owners and co-CEOs is the sale of the team. A sale that we all have wanted for so long truly about to happen. Have we seen the final game for the team with Dan and Tanya owning the team? You know, Dan Snyder reportedly didn't even attend the game on Sunday. Now think about that. Season finale, a game against the rival Cowboys at FedEx Field, a game at which the number nine of legendary Redskins quarterback Sonny Jurgensen was retired and Dan was not in attendance. That would seem to suggest that Danny Boy is on his way out. Would it not? Hello and welcome to this Commander's Post Game Show, Monday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. Danny may be on his way out, but you and me, we're right here. Uh, the Commanders concluded an 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one 2022 regular season with a 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday. Yes, the Commanders didn't just win the game. The Commanders routed the Cowboys, and every Commanders fan on the planet during that game was asking, where the heck was this in the previous game? It is so Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders for the team to play like that on Sunday of the team having played as it did in the 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns 
at FedEx Field the previous Sunday afternoon. Next segment, I will react to the Commanders winning this game against the Cowboys when I, and I know many of you, wanted the Commanders to lose the game for the purpose of being positioned as well as possible in the supposedly quarterback-rich 2023 NFL Draft. You'll also hear quite the response from head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday night regarding the loss to the Browns versus this win over the Cowboys. And I will explain why there is very much reason to believe that offensive coordinator Scott Turner is about to be fired. We are on Scott Turner watch. Is Ron Rivera about to make Scott Turner the full guy for the commanders not making the playoffs? Then, Sam, I am. (laughs) How did you like the NFL regular season debut of commanders quarterback Sam Howell? Or perhaps I should say Howell did you like the NFL regular season debut of Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell? I thought that he did well, very well, so well, that you can't help but think, hey, uh, why did it take until week 18 for this guy to start a game? In-depth analysis of a very encouraging NFL regular season debut for Sam Howell is on the way. I'll then examine some other items from the game, including a terrific performance by the commander's defense. I tell you, Ron Rivera deserves credit for this. His Washington teams don't quit. As I talked about on Friday's show, episode 480, so many non-playoff Redskins seasons in recent years ended with total give-up, total tap-out performances. I mean, just go through the non-playoff seasons with Mike Shanahan as Skins head coach and Jay Gruden as Skins head coach. Well, Washington now is 3-0 and in regular season finales with Ron Rivera as its head coach. And the last two regular season finales have come in non-playoff seasons. Uh, Also on the show, the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, I'll talk Capitals. Uh, They continue to roll. They did lose on Friday night, a 3-2 loss to the Nashville Predators at Capital Win Arena. But then on Sunday evening, a 1-0 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital Win Arena as we had the season debuts of center Nicholas Backstrom and winger Tom Wilson. Yes, they are back. Uh, the Caps now are 13-2-2 since a 10-12 and 4 start. I have a college basketball segment for you. Big win for Maryland on Sunday afternoon. An 80-73 home win over number 24 Ohio State. Also get into Georgetown's 95-73 loss at Marquette on Saturday afternoon. Number 11 Virginia's 73-66 home win over Syracuse on Saturday evening as Tony Bennett became the winningest head coach in UVA men's basketball history and Virginia Tech's 73-69 home loss to NC State on Saturday night. And I'll discuss our Wizards. Uh, They got ripped on Friday night, a 127-110 loss at the Oklahoma City Thunder. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast. Oh, the fun is just beginning with Commander's News and Developments. Trust me, there's going to be a lot happening over the next few months. Uh, have your message heard by thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area at a very affordable price. Hit us up, the Al Galdi podcast 
at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commanders off this win over the Cowboys. Email from Dave in Israel. Uh, writes Dave, a win that felt like a tie. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Dave. Yes, I said that the Commanders' win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6 was a win that felt like a loss. Uh, so I guess you could say that this win over the Cowboys was a win that felt like a tie. Email from Rob on Scott Turner's play calling on Sunday. Writes, Rob, I am looking forward to your phenomenal off-season coverage of the Commanders. Well, thank you, Rob. Continues, Rob, the play calling is consistently awful no matter who is the quarterback. Sunday was the perfect day to let Sam sling it, especially after seeing how the game was going. Thank you for the email, Rob. I completely agree with you regarding the play calling. I'm going to highlight that uh, during my Sam Howell segment. Yeah, Sam Howell finished with 19 pass attempts. The commander's top three running backs from the game, Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifin totaled 34 carries. Did we really need 34 carries from Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifin. Uh, Lots of tweets on Sam Howell. Tweet from TJ. The moment was not too big for the kid. He shook off that red zone pick and just came out firing. Tweet from A.A. Strong. Hard to believe we had him on the roster all year and he got zero playing time. Ron will have us believe that he wasn't ready. Wasn't ready for what? Tweet. From Silver Moto Surfer, and here I thought he couldn't even tie his shoes or find his way to the stadium. Tweet from Jay Stavish There's no way you aren't encouraged if you're a fan. Put away the Carson Wentz versus Taylor Heineke debate. Sam should have been the guy much, much earlier. He isn't ready, my arse. Tweet from Chris S. If, and I say if, Washington went with Howell next year. The team would benefit greatly from a salary cap perspective. Having a starting quarterback playing under a rookie contract is huge. Uh, Thank you for the tweet, Chris. Yes, that would be huge. And keep in mind with Sam Howell, not just a rookie contract, but a rookie contract for a guy who was taken in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. I mean, a microscopic contract in terms of money as compared to the money or so many other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, as another Washington football season has ended, I want to salute a loyal listener and great sponsor of the Al Galdi podcast, Dr. George Verghese. He is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland will come through for you. Think of Dr. George Verghese like Sam Howell throwing that 52-yard bomb to receiver Terry McLaurin on Sunday. How beautiful was that pass? But anyway, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big Commanders fan. He is a loyal listener of this podcast and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. 
Uh, if you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, heck, Dr. George Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, uh, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skincare, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, as you know, I did not want the Commanders to win their season finale against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday. I wanted the Commanders to play well. I especially wanted quarterback Sam Howell to play well, uh, but I wanted the Commanders to lose. The idea being, of course, that uh, they needed to get the best positioning possible in the supposedly quarterback-rich 2023 NFL draft. Well, the Commanders on Sunday did not lose. They won. Uh, the Redskins slash Washington football team slash Commanders. When you want the team to win, it loses. And when you want the team to lose, it wins. But the good news is this. Because of other results in NFL Week 18, a loss by the Commanders would have only gotten them the number 14 pick in the 2023 draft. Instead, they'll have the number 16 pick in the draft. That's not the end of the world, okay? I mean, having the 16th pick as opposed to the 14th pick, I think we'll all live, okay? I think that we'll be okay. Uh, the key is that the commanders are quite a ways away from the top five, which is where you almost certainly need to be to get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft, at least in terms of how the quarterbacks are currently perceived. Of course, as we have seen, the best quarterbacks in drafts don't always go in top fives, right? See the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. See the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, etc. What is a killer, though, is here you had the commanders on Sunday facing a good Cowboys team that had a lot to play for, right? The Cowboys entered Sunday still in contention to win the NFC East, still in contention to get the number one seed in the NFC. And yet the commanders, despite not playing a number of key players, dominated the Cowboys. And yet seven days earlier in a virtual must-win game for the commanders in terms of playoff contention, they lost by 14 points to the lowly Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field. This performance by the Commanders made me angrier about that performance against the Browns. I'm guessing that this performance by the Commanders made a lot of you angrier about that performance against the Browns. And so how about this exchange during head coach Rod Rivera's post-game press conference on Sunday night? We begin with the question from a man who is known for his uh, provocative questions. Uh, he was a guest on this podcast 
just last week. Scott Abraham, sports anchor for ABC 7 News. Ron, there seemed like there was an intensity and a focus here tonight from this team that was maybe lacking last week. Why, why do you think No, that don't is? tell me it was lacking last week. They came out to play and they played hard. They played their asses off last week. We just got beat. Don't, 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 don't say those guys. Those guys, these guys have played hard all year. Okay? Don't, don't, please don't do that. Okay? They play their asses off today as well. Last week it just didn't work. This week it did work. So how about that? Ron Rivera, old Don Ron, not happy with the line of questioning from our pal Scott Abraham. But while I did not think that effort was an issue for the Commanders in their loss to the Browns, the Commanders' play obviously was an issue in their loss to the Browns. And it is maddening that the same team that blew out the mighty Cowboys on Sunday choked like dogs in the loss to the Browns the previous Sunday. Like, that's a reality that's very hard to accept. Although, when you think about it, it's a reality that, in a lot of ways, perfectly captures Washington with Ron Rivera as its head coach. Good enough to do some good things, but not good enough to be consistently good. I know that a lot of you want Ron Rivera to be fired. However, it remains very hard to see that happening unless the sale of the commanders is completed within the next month or so. But something that I do think is coming is the firing of offensive coordinator Scott Turner. Uh, Make no mistake, the reason that the commanders missed the postseason is their offense. The defense was playoff caliber. Uh, Special teams were playoff caliber. The offense was bad, really bad. Now, of course, not all of that is Scott Turner's fault. Uh, It's not his fault that the team now has started eight different quarterbacks over his three regular seasons as offensive coordinator. Uh, It's not Scott's fault that the offensive line this season ended up being a disheveled mess that was especially bad in pass protection. But at the same time, these things don't just absolve Scott of having presided over a bad offense in each of his three seasons as the team's offensive coordinator. And putting aside whether Scott deserves to be fired, just consider the signs of the last few days, because all of the signs are pointing toward him being fired. The days leading up to this game very much gave off a vibe that Scott Turner is going to be fired, okay? So you start with the basic thing of the offense has been really bad this season for a third consecutive season with Scott as offensive coordinator. Then you go to Scott in his final post-practice press conference of the season. This happened this past Thursday afternoon, and Scott, during the presser, very much sounded like a coach who knows that he may be fired. You know, Scott may well be anticipating being fired. Here was Scott this past Thursday afternoon on if he's worried about his job security. I mean, that's just part of this league. You know, it could happen. It could happen to anybody. Um, You know, it's happened to guys when they don't expect it. It's happened, you know, whatever. So, I just do my job. I'm focused on the Cowboys. Uh, Whatever happens, you know, after this week, um, you know, you you go with it after that. But to me, I'm I'm prepared to coach this game uh, and then get this team ready to to go be successful um, down the road. All right. So that was Scott Turner this past Thursday afternoon. Then Ron Rivera in a post-practice press conference on Friday afternoon 
gave a very short answer in response to a question about the job that Scott has done in the 2022 season. Here was this exchange. Uh, We begin with the question from Commander's Insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. What do you make of the job that Scott Turner's done this season? I think we've had our moments. I think there's some really good things considering, you know, the, the availability of everybody. You know, it's, it's been tough. And that was it. That was the entirety of Ron Rivera's answer to a question about the job that Scott Turner has done in the 2022 season. Uh, no endorsement of Scott. Now, it's not like Ron trashed Scott, but Ron certainly did not make it a point to endorse Scott. Uh, Ron certainly did not go out of his way to compliment Scott. Then came the report. We on Saturday had a major report from Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post with the headline, Commander's Players Are Frustrated with Offensive Play Calling. The report included the following on-the-record quote from tight end Logan Thomas, quote, The way I put it is, we got so much talent, we should be scoring more points than we have been, end quote. Now, of course, there's plausible deniability in that quote, because Logan could always say, well, that wasn't a shot at Scott that was saying, hey, we have talent on this team, we should be doing better, that's on all of us, blah, 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 okay, fine. But did you see what Logan Thomas's wife did over the weekend. Uh, Logan's wife, Brandy Thomas, she on Saturday wrote the following on Instagram, quote, so much offensive talent, you think if you had weapons, you'd utilize them, end quote. And she clearly was referring to her husband, who has not had a very productive season. The Washington Post report also included the following, quote, nine other commanders who spoke on the condition of anonymity to be candid about a coach expressed frustration with the play calling. They complained about predictability and abandonment of the game plan against Cleveland and Turner's tendency to deviate from plays that are working, which several players described as the coordinator outsmarting himself. They suggested Brown's defenders had anticipated their plays during the loss, which effectively ended the commander's season. End quote. Uh, That, my friends, is quite the indictment of Scott Turner. Logan Thomas and nine other commander's players, all speaking to the Washington Post, and all criticizing, if not slamming, Scott Turner. Not one or two players. Logan Thomas and nine other Commanders players. Ten total Commanders players. And so to me, we are headed towards Scott Turner being fired. I mean, just reading the tea leaves, okay, it so feels like that is where we're going. For the record, this was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday night on potential coaching staff changes, uh, Q&A with Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. And in terms of the evaluation of your staff, how is that process? And have you determined if anything will be changing after this, now that this is over? 
once we get a chance to sit down and evaluate and talk, you know, that'll happen this week. It'll happen uh, into next week as well. There is a lot of change that may well be coming for the commanders this offseason. The principal among that change, the ownership of the team. But the first big change may well be the firing of Scott Turner. We'll see. Look, maybe Rod Rivera will change his mind, okay? He has been known to do that on things. But right now, off the events of the last few days, I don't know how you look at everything and not think to yourself, hmm, it looks like old Scotty boy may be in trouble. And again, I know, Rod Rivera, how about him getting fired? But again, until the ownership situation is cleared up, it's hard to see Ron getting fired. Although I will say this, I mean, it's not impossible for Ron to be fired. So I don't want to be entirely dismissive of that happening, but it just is hard to see that happening. Uh, Hey, I want to tell you about a new sponsor of the Al Galdi podcast, Hiatus. Uh, Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. If you want to get a better handle on where your money's going, if you want to get your bills, utilities, and subscriptions organized, download the Hiatus app. It's great. Uh, Hiatus allows you to see all of your subscriptions in one place and lets you cancel the ones that you don't want or need in just a few taps. Uh, Hiatus can alert you if any of your monthly bills, like your cell phone bill or internet bill, are negotiable. Uh, Hiatus has an in-house team that actually can negotiate and lower those bills for you. Download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatusapp.com. Hiatus, take control of your money. All right, let's get to it because Howl Mania is running wild, brother. The Howellians are howling to the moon as we get going here on this 2023 Commanders offseason. The NFL regular season debut of Commanders quarterback Sam Howell in the team's season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday. I was excited to see what Sam would do. And here's the bottom line. I was very impressed. Uh, Sam Howell played with poise. He made good decisions. He was accurate. He displayed arm strength. He was a major run threat. And he did all of this despite playing with a depleted supporting cast and despite playing against a very good Cowboys defense. Sam Howell was the commander's starting quarterback. He became Washington's third different starting quarterback in this regular season, the fifth consecutive regular season in which Washington started at least three different quarterbacks. Uh, Taylor Heineke was the commander's number two quarterback. Carson Wentz was inactive. Uh, No surprise with that, but you know, you take a step back, that really is something. We via one game. Uh, Carson's wretched game in the loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17 went from Carson being reinstalled as the Commanders QB1 to him being demoted to QB3. However, uh, how about this revelation from Sam Howell during his post-game press conference on Sunday night? 
Um, I had a lot of family in town, and and uh, Carson. Uh, this just go, this tells you know the type of guy he is. Carson gave me his suite um, for the game, and <clears throat> I know a lot of people have said you know some negative things about Carson, but you know he's just an unbelievable human being, um, and you know he's just awesome to be around. Um, and for him to give me a suite, um, my first first start means a lot. All right, so a very nice gesture from Carson Wentz, and a very nice NFL regular season debut for Sam Howell. Uh, The Commanders took him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. It had been said throughout this season that Sam was in a developmental season and that he wasn't ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. Uh, Well, either Sam Howell developed quite well or Sam Howell was more ready to be an NFL starting quarterback than the Commanders realized. It was impossible to watch this game on Sunday and not wonder why Sam wasn't made the commander starting quarterback sooner. And you have to wonder if head coach Ron Rivera and his staff underestimated Sam. You have to wonder if Ron screwed up in not going to Sam Howell sooner. Remember, Ron's initial decision was to not even start Sam for this game. Ron was going to start Taylor Heineke and then have Sam come into the game in a relief role. (laughs) How silly does that seem now? I tell you, NFL head coaches underestimate their rookie quarterbacks every season, and the Sam Howell scenario of this season is another example of this. Uh, Sam went 11 of 19 for 169 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He took three sacks. He had five carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Like I said, Sam did this despite playing with a depleted supporting cast. The Commanders were without their top three running backs, Brian Robinson Jr., inactive due to a knee injury, Antonio Gibson on the reserve injured list, J.D. McKissick on the reserve injured list. Uh, The Commanders' top three running backs in this game were Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifant. And by the way, Sam Howell played well and yet finished the game with just 19 pass attempts, Patterson, Williams, and Bonifin combined for 34 carries. Did we really need to see 34 carries from Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifin? Like, did we really need to see that? You know, the commander season was over from a postseason contention standpoint. This was an evaluation game for Sam Howell. He was doing well. You couldn't have gotten the guy more than 19 pass attempts. You had to force feed us a bunch of Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, Reggie Bonifant carries, really. You know, the commanders have got to get away from this run-focused approach to offense, okay? Especially when you have a quarterback who's actually slinging it pretty well. Uh, I mean, if ever there was a game to just have your quarterback let her rip, you know, take some chances, throw some passes, this was that game. And instead, we got a mere 19 pass attempts from Sam Howell. But golly gee, we got 34 total carries from Jared Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifant. Uh Anyway, uh, the commanders also were without a number of offensive linemen. A right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, was inactive due to an ankle injury. Left guard, Andrew Norwell, was inactive due to a hip injury. The team's top two centers, Chase Rullier and Tyler Larson, are on the reserve injured list. Uh, also, Sam Howell did as he did despite facing a really good Cowboys defense. The Cowboys for the 2022 regular season through week 17 were number two 
in the NFL in total defense per football outsiders DVOA metric. And Sam did as he did, despite having barely thrown to any of the commander's top pass catchers this season in practice, let alone in a game. But Sam Howell played well, especially when you consider all of these circumstances. Uh, He made a number of good throws. I mean, how about the fact (laughs) that Sam Howell's first career regular season pass attempt in the NFL was a touchdown pass? How crazy was that? The commander's first offensive drive started at the Cowboys' 20 off a fumble by Cowboys punter Brian Anger, who in a punt formation simply dropped the snap, uh, then got tackled by linebacker Milo Eifler. Uh, Second snap of the drive, second and six for the commanders at the Cowboys' 16. Sam Howell, a 16-yard touchdown pass to receiver Terry McLaurin, who was wide open at the 10 and then ran into the end zone for the touchdown. Uh, Sam connected with Terry on a gorgeous bomb. Commander's 12th offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's early fourth quarter 29-yard field goal for a 23-6 lead. The first snap of the drive and the final snap of the third quarter on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 33, Sam fired a 52-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a great throw down the right sideline. You talk about a big-time throw. That was a big-time throw by Sam I Am. Uh, The commanders went just 3 of 14 on third downs, but Sam had a nice third down completion on the commander's fourth offensive drive. Now, this was the drive that resulted in Sam's early second quarter shotgun play action end zone interception to safety Malik Hooker, but the 11th snap of the drive and the first snap of the second quarter, third and six for the commanders at the Cowboys' eight. Sam, a six-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin as Sam threw an accurate ball while running to his left. Uh, Sam had a good thing going with receiver Jahan Dodson. Commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's missed 52-yard field goal attempt in the second quarter as the ball went off the left upright. Uh, Fourth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 33. Sam had a 30-yard shotgun completion to Jahan, who Sam hit in stride despite the ball being tipped by edge defender Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Jahan on the reception generated 22 yards after the catch. The Commanders' 11th offensive drive resulted in Sam Howell's late third quarter first and goal nine-yard pistol triple option touchdown run. First snap of the drive, Sam a first and 10, 22-yard pistol completion to Jahan Dodson. The fourth snap of the drive on a second and 14 for the Commanders at the Cowboys' 41. Sam a 20-yard shotgun completion to Jahan as Sam hit Jahan perfectly in stride. I mean, a lot of good throws by Sam Howell in this game. He was a major factor as a runner, five carries for 35 yards and a touchdown. I mentioned his touchdown run. This was a tremendous run. Late third quarter, first and goal, nine-yard pistol, triple option touchdown run on which Sam made linebacker Damone Clark and interior defensive lineman Neville Gallimore miss on attempted tackles. Uh, The commander's fourth offensive drive did result in Sam's interception, but the sixth snap of the drive on a first quarter, second and five for the commanders at the Cowboys' 33. Sam, a 10-yard shotgun play action scramble. The commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's missed 52-yard field goal attempt in the second quarter. Third snap of the drive, Third and four for the Commanders at their 24. Sam, a nine-yard shotgun scramble. Uh, The Commanders' sixth offensive drive resulted in a second-quarter punt, but the third snap of the drive, third and four for the Commanders at their 23. Sam Howell, an eight-yard shotgun scramble. And Sam Howell did all of this despite two big drops 
by commander's receivers. Sam's numbers could have been even better. Uh, He was the victim of a bad drop by Terry McLaurin in the first quarter. Commander's second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive on a third and four for the Commanders at their 44. Sam threw a perfect shotgun pass to Terry, but he dropped it. Uh, Sam, while being pressured, hit Terry in stride, but Terry turned his head upfield before securing the football. And Sam was the victim of a drop by Jahan Dodson in the third quarter. Commander's ninth offensive drive was their second offensive drive of the second half, resulted in a third quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive, third and six for the Commanders at the Cowboys 47. Sam threw a perfect deep ball on a shotgun pass, but Jahan was unable to come through with the catch uh, on what was a drop. So a lot of good from Sam Howell in this game. The bad, well, that commander's fourth offensive drive resulted in the pick. That was a bad pick. The 13th snap of the drive, the third snap of the second quarter, second and goal at the five. Sam Howell, while being pressured and throwing while falling backward, uh, heaved a shotgun play action pass intended for receiver Cam Sims into the end zone. But the pass was thrown in a triple coverage and it was intercepted by safety Malik Hooker. Bad decision, bad throw, clearly. Uh, Earlier on that drive, the fourth snap of the drive, first quarter, third and 10 for the Commanders at their 38. Sam Howell badly underthrew Terry McLaurin, uh, who was beyond corner Trayvon Mullen, but credit to Terry, he was able to draw a 24-yard pass interference penalty on Mullen. Uh, Sam did have a miss in the fourth quarter in terms of not throwing to a wide-open pass catcher. Commander's 13th offensive drive resulted in a fourth quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive on a third and three for the Commanders at the Cowboys 48. Sam on a shotgun incompletion was off on a throw to Terry while tight end John Bates was wide open across the middle. But okay, I mean, those things are going to happen. I don't know how you couldn't have liked what Sam Howell did on Sunday. There was a lot to like. Uh, this was Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday night on Sam Howell, and you'll hear a number of follow-up exchanges. A little bit of everything you'd expect from a rookie, so it's uh, kind of glad that uh, he got an opportunity to start and get that out of the way so next year he won't be as much of a rookie. After the interception, it looked like you went over and spoke to him. What was your message? You just missed an opportunity. You're going to get another one, so let's go. What were some things that, even on the 52-yarder, Terry, what were some things that stood out for you um, just with the mechanics of the game? Well, the, the biggest thing was his anticipation, you know, and, and his delivery. You know, he anticipated pretty well. A couple times he, he got behind uh, his reads and, and, and delivered the ball a little late. Um, but for the most part, what you really saw was how he was he was anticipating, he was delivering it on time and put it where it needed to be put it. Um, he really did a, a nice job in terms of handling um, some of the play calling and stuff like that. You know, and, and you could see he had the sense for, for when to get going quickly and when to settle in. And he did a nice job. He really did. Did he surprise you in any way? You know, not necessarily. It's kind of what... We saw going, you know, going uh, coming out of college. I mean, this is a guy that played some pretty big time football and handled that pretty well. And um, you know, he just he, he did a nice job. Obviously, it's incredibly premature to discuss his future, but and you said the other day you're going to watch this game and see. But that said, do you think he's showed you enough to be either in the, the first the QB one or QB two possibly next year? Um, well, I'll definitely say he'll be QB. I'm not going to give you a number yet because uh, we'll get through the evaluation part process this week. Once we get through this week, you know, we'll just talk about some of the stuff later on. But for the most part, 
this will be an evaluation. We'll get a chance to watch the game, break it down, talk about it going forward, and then talk about um, some of the things that um, you know that we need to we need to most certainly uh, focus in on going uh, going into the off season. All right, so we'll have to wait for the number for Sam Howell's QB status. But here's the deal. He, in this win over the Cowboys, showed enough to be someone who should be in consideration to be the commander's QB1 for next season. Now, understand what I'm saying when I say that. I'm not saying that Sam should be handed the QB1 spot, but the idea of having him compete for that spot is not far-fetched at all. A lot, of course, will depend on what else the Commanders do at quarterback this offseason. But let's say that the Commanders cut Carson Wentz, re-sign Taylor Heineke, and take a quarterback in the 2023 NFL Draft. But not one of the top two quarterbacks. So not Alabama's Bryce Young or Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. I don't know. Is it that ridiculous to say that Sam Howell could be, slash, would be, slash, should be the Commanders' starting quarterback to at least begin next season? I mean, let's say that the commanders take Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, He's viewed as a guy with high upside, but who also may not be ready to play in the NFL right away. Would it be so bad to have Sam Howell as the QB1 to begin the 2023 season and just see what happens? You know, it's one game, of course. You can't go too crazy with it, of course. But remember, Sam Howell is not your normal fifth round rookie quarterback. Dismissing him as just a fifth round rookie quarterback in an NFL in which most non-first round quarterbacks do not become starting quarterbacks is missing key context. This guy was the number 34 player on Pro Football Focus's big board for the 2022 draft. This guy in the 2021 offseason was a candidate to be the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. And Sam Howell on Sunday showed well for himself. And if the commanders who have a playoff caliber defense and have playoff caliber receivers and have playoff caliber running backs can get just decent quarterback play, okay? And that would involve upgrading the offensive line, okay? But if the commanders can just get decent quarterback play and upgraded offensive line play, there's not a doubt in my mind the commanders can be a playoff team. I very much believe that. Take a listen to this exchange between David Aldridge, editor-in-chief of The Athletic DC, and Ron Rivera during Ron's post-game press conference on Sunday night. You may not be able to answer this tonight, I understand, but when you look at this game, the way everything kind of played, the complimentary football you've been talking about all year, is it a simple matter of competent play at quarterback can win you games. Okay, if I say quarterback, I'm not going to get in trouble with you, am I? <laughs> but you're right. It is about the quarterback making the plays that he's supposed to make, managing the game when he needs to manage the game, and then every now and then when you need a big play, make the big play. Um, I've said that before, and I, I really do believe that that's a big part of what we need to get to. Um, uh, and, and again, I, I think the things that we do and the things that we can do really do revolve around that position. And and that's, you know, again, that's why so many teams have, have, have struggled and so many teams have had success. And at that position, the quarterback, okay, that's the difference in a lot of these teams that are going to the playoffs and a lot of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. Very true. 
Very nice job by Sam Howell on Sunday. And gee, it would have been nice to have seen more of Sam Howell this season. Up next, a salute to the commander's defense, which had maybe its best performance of the season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, as we are now in 2023, uh, please consider rating and reviewing the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, Doing so costs you nothing but like 60 seconds of your time and helps us out a lot. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two saying uh, that you like the podcast. And thank you for doing the ratings and the reviews. Uh, The Commander's Defense this season had a number of good games. I actually think that you can make the case that the defense's best game of the season was this final game, this season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday. You start with this. The commander's defense was without a truckload of key guys. Uh, Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. He was inactive due to the left knee injury that he suffered in the commander's previous game, the loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17. Uh, Safety Cameron Curl was inactive for a third consecutive game due to his ankle injury. Corner Benjamin St. Juice actually now is on the reserve injured list. Uh, He was placed on that on Friday off having been inactive for three of the commander's previous four games due to a right ankle injury that he suffered in the win at the Houston Texans in Week 11. Uh, Linebacker Cole Holcomb has been on the reserve injured list since November 25th due to a foot injury. Uh, Linebacker Jamie Davis now actually is on the reserve injured list. He was placed on that on Saturday due to a knee injury. Interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis has been on the reserve injured list since September 12th due to a left knee injury. Edge defender James Smith-Williams was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a concussion that he suffered in the loss at the San Francisco 49ers in Week 16. Linebacker John Bostic is on the reserve injured list. Uh, He has been on that since December 30th due to a pectoral muscle injury that he suffered in the loss at the Niners. All of those guys were out for the commander's defense on Sunday. Additionally, the Cowboys played their starters for most of the game. Uh, The Cowboys, remember, entered Sunday still with a chance to not only win the NFC East, but also clinch the number one seed in the NFC. 
And yet, the commander's defense dominated the Cowboys' offense. This wasn't, hey, the commander's defense did a pretty good job against the Cowboys' offense. No, this was the commander's defense stifled the Cowboys' offense. The commanders held the Cowboys to just six points, held the Cowboys to just four of 18 on third downs, held the Cowboys to just 182 total net yards of offense, and held the Cowboys to just 2.76 yards per play. This was excellent defense that was on display from the Commanders. The Commanders held Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott to just 14 of 37 passing. 14 of 37. (laughs) That is atrocious. Uh, He threw for just 128 yards, a touchdown, and a pick six. And yes, some of this was just Dak being bad. Uh, Dak, over the Cowboys' first six offensive drives, went just a two of nine for 14 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick six. But a lot of this was the commander's defense being good. I mean, how good was that pick six? Corner Kendall Fuller, the pick six, the Cowboys' fourth offensive drive, third snap of the drive on a third and six for the Cowboys at their 24. And one snap after Kendall Fuller dropped what should have been a pick six, Kendall registered a second quarter 29-yard pick six at Dak Prescott. Kendall jumped a shotgun pass intended for receiver Noah Brown on an outbreaking route and ran into the end zone untouched. I mean, outstanding anticipation by Kendall Fuller. Uh, This 2022 commander season overall, of course, was a disappointment because the team did not make the playoffs. But make no mistake, this was a really good season for the team's defense. This was a terrific bounce back season for the team's defense off a very bad season last season. And the players deserve a lot of credit. Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and his staff deserve a lot of credit. Uh, Some big free agent situations loom, no doubt. Both interior defensive lineman Deron Payne and linebacker Cole Holcomb are set to be unrestricted free agents. Uh, The team needs better depth at corner and linebacker, but I don't know how you don't feel a lot better about this defense now as compared to a year ago. Uh, This was head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday night on the commander's defense in the win over the Cowboys. I, I love some of the things that we did on defense. Defense was a heck of an effort today. And, and again, credit to what Jack and the staff did in terms of uh, piecemealing it together. I mean, you've you got to really give credit to, to, to a number of those guys. Uh, Klee Cousin played uh, tremendous. He had a tremendous game. He practiced this way all week. Um, David Mayo stepped up on the inside with, with Jamin out and, and really handled a lot of the dues that Jamin did. Uh, credit to him as well. And then I thought the front. And you know, with with with, um, with with Jonathan not being there, um, gosh, I'm gonna mess up Benning's name, but Benning Potawe, um, he, he stepped up, played really nicely, and 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 and, and when uh, Ridgeway went out, um, and then credit to, uh, to 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 our to our big guys up front, you know, they, they really Duran Sweat. Um, you know, Chase, those guys really stepped up and really anchored the front. And then kudos to the secondary. Those guys really had a good week of practice, good week of work. And I thought some of the stuff that Jack and the guys schemed up was really what we needed. <laughs> yeah, the guy whose name Rod Rivera was trying to say was uh, defensive lineman Benning Potoai. Uh, who the commanders on Friday signed from their practice squad to the active roster.
Gosh, I'm going to mess up Benning's name, but Benning Potoawe. Yes, Ron. Uh, Benning Potoai, uh, that guy. Uh, <laughs> now, I mentioned the Kendall Fuller pick six. Uh, kicker Joey Sly missed the ensuing extra point attempt. Uh, Joey Sly on Sunday had quite the bad ending to his season. Uh, he went just two of four on field goals and just two of three on extra points. Uh, Sly missed a 31-yard field goal attempt in the first quarter. That is inexcusable, missing a 31-yard field goal attempt. Uh, He also missed a 52-yard field goal attempt in the second quarter. Uh, He connected on an early fourth quarter 29-yard field goal for a 23-6 lead and connected on a fourth quarter 22-yard field goal for a 26-6 lead. And like I said, he missed the extra point attempt that followed Kendall Fuller's pick six. This was not a good game for special teams for either team. Uh, Cowboys kicker Brett Maher missed an extra point attempt with six seconds left in the second quarter. And the Cowboys had two major first quarter screw-ups on special teams. We had the fumble by Cowboys punter Brian Anger, who had a punt formation, simply dropped the snap. And then we had the muffed catch of a punt by receiver Cavante Turpin for a lost fumble that was recovered by corner Christian Holmes. Uh, Joey Sly in the 2022 regular season went 25-30 on field goals and went just 24-28 on extra points. Uh, Four missed extra point attempts, way too many. Well, the commander season is over, but the capital season is ongoing, and the Caps, my friends, continue to fly. Uh, the Caps now are 13-2-2 since a 10-12-4 and start. Two games for the Caps over the weekend. They did lose on Friday night, a uh, 3-2 loss to the Nashville Predators at Capital One Arena, but then on Sunday evening, the Caps improved to 23 23- 14-6 and six with a 1-0 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital Win Arena. And the big news with this game, the season debuts of center Nicholas Backstrom and winger Tom Wilson. Uh, two key camps who had been out all season finally are back. Great to see this. Uh, Backstrom, this past June 17th, underwent left hip resurfacing surgery in Belgium, Uh, He missed the Caps' first 28 games of the 2021-2022 regular season due to his left hip. He underwent left hip surgery in May 2015 as well. So the left hip has been a problem for a while. You know, it had very much felt like Backstrom's career was in jeopardy uh, of him undergoing this uh, left hip resurfacing surgery in Belgium. Uh, This season is his age 35 season. I mean, you really didn't know what to think. But instead, Backstrom is back. And, you know, he's back, I think, a lot sooner than people thought. I mean, we, prior to the start of the Caps season, had a conversation with Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic. And his sense was that Backstrom may not be back until the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, here we are. We're in January, and Nicholas Backstrom is back. Now, he didn't have the greatest game on Sunday evening. Uh, Backstrom played For 14 minutes, three seconds, he committed a third period interference minor, and he was tied for last on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 25 of the Caps with Backstrom on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had just six shot attempts versus allowing 18 shot attempts. Uh, But still, Backstrom just playing, period, was a major victory. Here was Backstrom during his post-game session with reporters, and you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Tarek El-Bashir. Obviously, um, 
I miss this and, and with not knowing what my future will was gonna hold and, and just coming back and playing, I mean it just feels great. What was your emotion like when you when the crowd gave you you and Tom the standing go at the beginning? Yeah, amazing. I mean I, I couldn't ask for anything else. I mean that was that was just it was something special, that's for sure. I mean I mean moments like that uh, you're never gonna forget and yeah. it was very special. All right, and then with Tom Wilson, uh, he returned from a torn left ACL uh, that he suffered in the Caps 4-2 win at the Florida Panthers this past May 3rd in what was Game 1 of the Caps' six-game loss to the Panthers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Wilson had a very good game on Sunday evening. He played for 14 minutes, 10 seconds. He had a team high and a game high tying six hits. And he was number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 85.71. The Caps with Wilson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 12 shot attempts versus allowing just two shot attempts. The Caps do remain without defenseman John Carlson and Ford's Connor Brown and Carl Hagelin due to injury, but the Caps finally are getting healthier. Uh, now, as big of a deal as the season debuts of Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson were on Sunday evening, the performance of goaltender Darcy Kemper stole the show. Uh, he was great. He stopped all 38 of the shots on goal that he faced. You know, the Caps in this game got walloped in the puck possession battle. Uh, they, per natural stat trick, had just 42 five-on-five shot attempts to the Blue Jackets, 54, including just six five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Blue Jackets, 11. Also, the Caps totaled just 19 shots on goal to the Blue Jackets, 38, and yet the Caps won the game one nothing, And that was because Darcy Kemper was up to the task. Uh, he, per natural stat trick, stopped all 10 of the high-danger shots on goal that he faced. Darcy Kemper, for this regular season, is number one in the NHL with four shutouts. I mean, that is precisely what you want to see from a guy to whom the Caps gave a five-year, $26.25 million unrestricted free agent contract this past July. He was signed to be the Caps' franchise goaltender, and he is playing like a franchise goaltender. He is living up to that contract. Uh, the lone goal in the Caps' 1-0 win over the Blue Jackets on Sunday evening came from, who else? Defenseman Eric Gustafson. Uh, this guy continues to put up points. He had a first-period even-strength goal. Eric Gustafson now, over his last 11 games, has 15 points, 7 goals, and 8 assists. Where this has come from, nobody knows. But you don't question it. You just keep riding it. Uh, Eric Gustafson has been a scoring machine in recent weeks. Uh, the Caps' true scoring machine, the Russian machine, uh, winger Alex Ovechkin, he on Sunday evening did go pointless, but he had a team-high five shots on goal, a team-high eight total shot attempts, and four hits. By the way, Ovi in that loss to the Predators on Friday night also went pointless, but he had a game-high tying four shots on goal, a game-high 12 total shot attempts, and a game-high five hits, and he did did all of this despite finishing third to last on the Caps and five on five shot at 10 percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 38.71. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five on five situations in that game, just 12 shot attempts versus allowing 19 shot attempts. So the Caps lost that game despite having 32 shots on goal to the Predators 21. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was the Caps starting goaltender on Friday night. He stopped 18 of the 21 shots on goal that he faced. Next up for the Caps at the Philadelphia Flyers, Wednesday night at 7.
And let's talk some college basketball. Great win for Maryland on Sunday afternoon. The Terrapins improved to 11-5 overall and 2-3 and in the Big Ten with an 80-73 win over number 24 Ohio State at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. Each of the Terps' two Big Ten wins this season has been over a ranked team. Uh, the other win, a 71-66 win over the number 16 Illinois at Xfinity Center on December 2nd. Uh, the Terps on Sunday afternoon at the half trailed by five points at 39-34, but the Terps then began the second half on a 14-0 run and led for the rest of the game. Uh, the Terps allowed Ohio State to go 9-19 on threes, but held the Buckeyes to just 15-36 on twos. Uh, the Terps went 5-13 on threes and 19-39 on twos. Massive advantage for the Terps on free throws. Terps had 33 free throw attempts to Ohio State's 19. Terps went 27 of 33 on free throws. The Buckeyes went 16 to 19 on free throws. Also massive advantage for the Terps on the board. So the Terps out-rebounded Ohio State 40-26, including having 14 offensive rebounds to the Buckeyes' 7. Uh, Buckeyes were without a key big, the 6'8 Zed Key. He is key, uh, but he was out for Ohio State due to a shoulder injury. And the Terps enjoyed these advantages in free throws and rebounds, thanks in no small part to point guard Jameer Young. Jameer Young, a graduate student transfer from Charlotte. Uh, he went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. And boy, did he have a big game on Sunday afternoon. Jameer Young in 35 minutes as a starter. Went just one of five on threes, but also seven of 13 on twos and 13 of 15 on free throws. He finished with 30 points and 11 rebounds, including five offensive boards. He did have no assists versus three turnovers, but Jameer Young became the first Terps guard to have at least 30 points and at least 10 rebounds in a game since Gravis Vasquez. Uh, February 21st, 2009, nearly 14 years ago. Uh, Gravis on that day had one of his most memorable performances, a triple-double in an 88-85 overtime win over then number three North Carolina at Xfinity Center. Uh, Gravis finished that game with 35 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists. He also had three blocks and two steals, did commit seven turnovers, but what a job by Jameer Young in this win over Ohio State. Here was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on Jameer Young. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think especially early in the game, I thought Jameer's, even though he missed some shots, I thought it was aggressive, like just saying tenacious after the ball, getting offensive rebounds, getting fouled. I thought that gave us a huge jump, um, even though he missed a couple shots early. And um, I just thought he just stayed after it and stayed after it. And his energy and his tenaciousness was really the difference. Yes, it was. Uh, also, some good stuff from Julian Reese, uh, from whom the Terps have needed more. Uh, well, Reese on Sunday afternoon, 27 minutes as a starter. Uh, he went 4-10 from the field, all twos, and 2-2 two two on free throws. He finished with 10 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists versus 1 turnover. He actually led the Terps in assists, although Reese did commit a costly technical foul in the second half. He needs to keep his cool. Actually, Kevin Willard uh, drew a bad technical foul in the first half, but the Terps did win. A very nice win. Uh, next up for Maryland at Iowa this Sunday afternoon. So Maryland played on Sunday afternoon. Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech all played on Saturday. Uh, the Hoyas lost again. Uh, Georgetown fell to 5-12 and overall and 0-6 in the Big East with a 95-73 loss at Marquette on Saturday afternoon. Yes, another blowout loss for Georgetown. Uh, this loss was the Hoyas' 26th 
consecutive regular season Big East loss, extending the record for the most consecutive regular season Big East losses in conference history. Uh, Georgetown is banged up right now. LSU transfer Brandon Murray and USC Upstate transfer Bryson Mazzone. Uh, each did not play due to an injury that he suffered in the Hoyas' previous game. The 73-57 loss to Villanova at Capital One Arena this past Wednesday evening. Also, Arizona State transfer Jay Heath did not play for a third consecutive game due to a left-hand injury. But of course, the Hoyas have been a really bad team with or without those guys. Uh, This was another game in which Georgetown was woeful in a second half. The Hoyas led at the half 36-34. They then lost the second half 61-37. Uh, the Hoyas defense was not good. Uh, the Hoyas in the first half did hold Marquette to just two of 14 on threes, but the Hoyas in the second half allowed Marquette to go a scorching 10 of 15 on threes. Uh, also, the Hoyas for the game allowed Marquette to go 27 of 42 on twos and to score 52 points in the paint. And the Hoyas allowed Marquette to finish with 29 assists versus just nine turnovers. And how about this? Marquette point guard Tyler Kolick. Uh, This is a guy who transferred from George Mason to Marquette after the 2020-2021 season. Kolick on Saturday afternoon, a monster game. He played for just 27 minutes as a starter, and yet he finished with 15 assists versus no turnovers. I mean, think about that. 15 assists versus no turnovers. He also had four steals and three rebounds to go with seven points on one or two shooting on threes and two or three shooting on twos. The Hoyas got picked apart by Tyler Kolick on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Hoyas had a mixed game offensively. Did shoot well from the field, 7-14 on threes, 20-38 on twos, but the Hoyas went just 12-21 of 21 on free throws and committed 20 turnovers. Uh, Duquesne transfer Primo Spears, he in 35 minutes as a starter, went 1-3 of on threes, 6-14 of 14 on twos, and 3-4 on free throws, finished with 18 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds, but he committed 5 turnovers. Jordan Riley in 31 minutes as a starter, 1-2 on threes, 4-7 on twos, 5-5 five five on free throws. He finished with 16 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists, but he committed 6 turnovers. Uh, the Maryland transfer, Kudis Wahab, he in just 19 minutes as a starter, committed 4 turnovers, went just 2-6 on free throws. He also went 2-4 from the field, all twos, finished with 6 points and seven rebounds. A bright spot for the Hoyas was Howard transfer Wayne Bristol Jr., 32 minutes as a starter, four of four on threes, two of three on twos. He finished with 16 points, two assists versus one turnover and two steals. But the rough times continue for the Hoyas. Next up for Georgetown, home to Seton Hall, Tuesday night at 8.30. We had a history-making win for Wahoo on Saturday evening. Uh, number 11, Virginia, improved to 11-3 overall and 3-2 in the ACC with a 73-66 win over Syracuse at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday evening. Tony Bennett became the winningest head coach in Virginia men's basketball history. Uh, He surpassed Terry Holland for most wins as Virginia head coach. A tremendous accomplishment. Bennett improved to 327 and 120 as Virginia head coach. Holland went 326 and 173 as Virginia head coach. Uh, This was Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday night. To be able to do it with my family and my players, the, the home crowd who's been amazing to me and in in our time, um, for sure. And I meant what I said. That is a we award, not a me award, all the way. And I got some day ones that have been with me the whole time. And 
they asked me on the ACC network, you know, what what has it been or what's a key part of that process? And you guys have heard me say it is hire staff and recruit players that you can lose with first before you're going to win. And I've had guys that I've been able to go through the hard stuff with and they've stayed true and the players have. And, um, and then when you learn from that and you keep staying together, um, good things happen. And again, I don't deserve this. It's what I told you guys before. Didn't even know I wanted to coach this long or do this, but here I am. And, um, you know, I kind of take a step back and say, wow, because um, Coach Holland's the best. And, again, there's been so many cool things that have happened. But just, you know, kind of glad now we can move on and keep trying to become a better defensive team. Yeah, well, Virginia's defense on Saturday evening was pretty good. Uh, the Cavaliers never trailed in the game, uh, led by as many as 23 points in the second half. Uh, the Cavs did allow Syracuse to go 8 of 14 on threes, but also held the Cuse to just 16 of 40 on twos and for 16 turnovers. So the Cavs finished with 11 steals. Uh, the Wahoos did not shoot well on twos or free throws, but did shoot well on threes. So the Hoos went just 11 of 27 on twos and just 15 of 22 on free throws. But also went 12 of 26 on threes. And that matters when you're facing Syracuse's vaunted zone defense. Here was Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on his team's three-point shooting. When you play against their zone, you can't just live and die by the three, but you have to live a little bit by the three. <laughs> or maybe more than a little, you have to make threes. You have to get it into the high post. You've got to get it down low. And they do a good job. When you, even when you get it right by the rim, they're so... You know, I've played for all these years against so many of their different quick jumping shot blockers and got the ball in the right spots, ran, I think, some sound offense and didn't capitalize. But um, but you have to be able to knock down some threes. So it's good to see Ben do that in that stretch. But yeah, Armand came out. I thought Isaac McNeely was something. Uh, Jaden Gardner, that was his 1,000th rebound, 2,000-point uh, career. I'm sure it's more than 2,000, but and then getting 1,000 rebounds. And you have to get those... X-factor plays, keeping some balls alive. So, um, But you have to make some shots. And the Hoos did make some shots. A bunch of standouts for UVA. Armand Franklin in 33 minutes, 54 seconds as a starter, went 4-9 on threes. He did go 0-2 on twos and just 4-7 on free throws, but he finished with 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists versus 1 turnover and 2 steals. Reese Beekman in 31 minutes, 18 seconds as a starter, 2-3 on threes, 1-2 on twos, 5-6 on free throws. He finished with 13 points, 7 assists, versus one turnover, two steals, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 11. Isaac McNeely, really good off the bench. 22 minutes, 24 seconds as a reserve. 4-7 on threes. He finished with 12 points and three rebounds. Kihei Clark in 32 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter. Scored just five points, but had 11 assists versus three turnovers and two steals. And the big man, 6-11, Caden Shedrick, he played for just 23 minutes, 29 seconds due to foul trouble, but he went 4-6 from the field, all twos, 3-4 on free throws, finished with 11 points, seven rebounds, including three offensive boards, four blocks, and three steals. Next up for Virginia, home to North Carolina, Tuesday night at 9. Uh, next up for Syracuse is a game against Virginia Tech. The Hokies now have lost four consecutive games. Uh, Tech fell to 11-5 overall and just 1-4 in the ACC, a 73-69 loss to NC State at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Saturday night. Uh, Tech never held a lead in the game. Uh, allowed NC State to begin the game on a 13-2 run, trailed by 14 points at the half, 
at 36-22. Did win the second half 47-37 and did cut the deficit to just two points late in the second half, but Tech ultimately fell short. Uh, Neither team was good on threes. Hokies went just 5 of 18 on threes. NC State went just 5 of 21 on threes. Each team was pretty good on twos. Hokies did outscore NC State in the paint 36-28, but the Hokies had just six offensive rebounds to NC State's 12. Uh, Also, Tech's top two players, Sean Padula and Justin Mutz, combined for nine of the team's 11 turnovers. Uh, Padula, in 40 minutes as a starter, went one of three on threes, four of 10 on twos, and eight of eight on free throws. He finished with 19 points, five rebounds, and four assists, but also four turnovers. Justin Mutz, in 38 minutes as a starter, oh, one on threes, three of four on twos, three of five on free throws. He finished with nine points, eight rebounds, including three offensive boards, four steals, two blocks, and three assists. You like all of that, uh, but he also committed five turnovers. Uh, Darius Maddox, 38 minutes as a starter, four of six on threes. The rest of the Hokies went just one of 12 on threes. Uh, Maddox did also go just one of six on twos. Uh, He also went two of two on free throws, finished with 16 points. And the Hokies on Saturday night continued to be without Hunter Couture. Uh, he missed the third consecutive game due to injury. Also, Rodney Rice, a four-star freshman who went to the Matha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, he has yet to play this season due to injury. Uh, this was Tech head coach Mike Young during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on if Tech struggles are due in large part to being without Hunter Couture. It's deeper than that. I mean, and Hunter is such a such a piece to the puzzle in terms of everything, his leadership, his ability to guard the other team's best player. However, I've thought we've, uh, we've done a pretty good job in that, uh, in that area. Uh, his cutting, his receiving, his um, just stability, you know, a person that's been, uh, been with us for a long, long time. Um, but, you know, uh, getting Hunter back, um, and I think, I hope, I'm not trying to mislead you fellas. I'm, I, the the rice thing is is a is a medical thing and uh, you know I, I, if the medical staff tells me he's not ready well he's not ready there's nothing old Mike Young can do uh, Rodney Rice wants to play Rodney Rice is ready to play um, and Couture is getting better and better and better uh, so um, but we've got to uh, we've got to we've got to play better basketball around here. Yes, you do. Next up for Virginia Tech at Syracuse, Wednesday night at 7. Well, we had a rare weekend for the Wizards in this NBA regular season. They did not play on either Saturday or Sunday. Did play on Friday night, and uh, they got smashed. Uh, the Wizards fell to 17-23 and with a 127 110 loss at the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday night. Now, this game concluded a brutal stretch for the Wizards, a stretch of 17 road games in 23 games for the Wiz. Uh, That is something that the Wizards over a 23-game stretch, more than a quarter of their regular season, played 17 road games. Uh, The Wizards on Friday night were without Bradley Beal. Uh, He did not play due to his low-grade left hamstring strain. Uh, Beal had the Wizards' previous game, the 123-113 loss at the Milwaukee Bucks this past Tuesday night, returned from a three-game absence that was caused by what was called left hamstring soreness, but he then left the game in the second quarter due to his left hamstring. Uh, Beal has missed a lot of time this season. He now in this regular season has played in just 24 of the Wizards' 40 games. That's it, 24 out of 40. 
Uh, Taj Gibson was available off having missed the Wizards' three previous games due to left groin soreness, but uh, he was a DNP CD. And like I said, the Wizards got smashed and got smashed by a Thunder team that really isn't that good. I mean, Oklahoma City with this win improved to just 17 and 22, but the Wizards trailed by double digit points for every second of the final three quarters of the game. The Wizards lost the first quarter 35 17. Uh, The Wizards went a woeful 7 of 24 on threes and allowed the Thunder to go 17 of 37 on threes. Uh, The Wizards allowed the Thunder to score 66 points in the paint. The Wizards committed 20 turnovers to the Thunder's 10. On and on I could go, but perhaps this says it all. The Wizards totaled 36 free throw attempts to the Thunder's 14 and finished with 27 free throw points to the Thunder's 10. So the Wizards outscored the Thunder by 17 points on free throws, and yet the Wizards lost the game by 17 points. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Friday night. Well, there were a lot of breakdowns. Um, you know, our inability to contain one-on-one was a piece of that. Uh, so it was in transition. A um, little bit of confusion, you know, in the volume and uh, pairings they used in pick and rolls, which allowed them to turn the corner, get downhill. Um, but in general, you know, that, that first quarter, more so first half, I don't think we had the, the right mindset. We looked a little sluggish. You could argue, you know, long trip, this, that, and the other, and no excuse. We've got to uh, do better with our um, just our energy, our approach, and they, they kind of outplayed us in a lot of areas in that first half. Yes, they did. And with Bradley Beal out, the Wizards did not get nearly enough from other players. Uh, now, Kyle Kuzma was pretty good. He had 37 minutes, 20 seconds as a starter, went 2 of 5 on threes, 5 of 9 on twos, and 7 of 8 on free throws. He finished with 23 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds, but he also had 6 turnovers. Uh, boy, he has been committing a lot of turnovers lately. Uh, Kuzma now has 21 turnovers over his last four games. Chris uh, Dams Porzingis on Friday night played for just 24 minutes 49 seconds as a starter he went 0 2 on threes and just 3 and 9 on twos had no assists versus three turnovers and registered a game worst plus minus rating of minus 17 uh, he did go 8 to 10 on free throws did finish with 14 points and 10 rebounds and Rui Hachimura in 18 minutes 42 seconds off the bench went just a 2 of 8 on twos grabbed zero rebounds uh, had one assist versus three turnovers and registered a plus-minus rating of minus 15. Not good enough. Uh, Next up for the Wizards, a four-game homestand, beginning with a game against the New Orleans Pelicans, Monday night at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 482. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders of them concluding an 8-8-1 2022 regular season with this 26-6 route of the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday. We on Monday will have locker room cleanout day at the Commander's Team Facility in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, Presumably, we'll be hearing from a number of players. Uh, Also, on Tuesday's show, I'll talk Wizards. So the Wiz are home to the New Orleans Pelicans Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. 
Ron, there seemed like there was an intensity and a focus here tonight from this team that was maybe lacking last week. Why, why do you think No, that don't is? tell me it was lacking last week. They came out to play, and they played hard. They played their asses off last week. We just got beat. Don't, 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 don't say to those guys. Those guys, these guys have played hard all year, okay? Don't, don't, please don't do that, okay? They play their asses off today as well. Last week, it just didn't work. This week, it did work.